Good morning. We are Tanya in the middle of Pedic Memches. So the, the big picture is that we, the Alter Rebbe is emphasizing the importance. And Dafka, before we learn Torah and before we keep the mitzvahs, ideally to arouse within ourselves a genuine feeling of love to Hashem. That's the ideal. That when a Yid experiences, when we feel a desire, a love for God, and whenever you have a desire and a yearning for something, then you have to uh, meet that desire with the understanding that we meet that desire by learning Torah and keeping mitzvahs. This is the ideal way of, 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 of practicing Yiddishkeit. Obviously, doing the mitzvah is the bottom line, but the goal, we are, we are going beyond the, the basics. We want to do the ideal. The ideal is, this was the mimer that we learned this Shabbos from the Alter Rebbe of Vinigdashti Betoich Bnei Yisrael, the way the Hasidus explains the meaning of Kadosh, 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 which is a Gavaldik Chiddush, that Kadosh, the first Kadosh, means that we should understand the greatness of the infinity of Hashem. Because the more we appreciate the awesomeness of Hashem, how Hashem is ain't safe, and we're going to bring it back to time in a moment, the more we're going to want to go there. People want what's better, that's nature. So the more of an understanding we have in godliness, or at least the more we understand that we have no understanding of godliness because Hashem is Kaddish, that gives us the desire of going up, of getting closer to God. And after we have that, then we learn Torah. Learning Torah is bringing God's Kedusha down. Then we keep mitzvahs, which is bringing God's holiness even more down. So not God is holy, holy, holy. That there's a movement of going up. Kaddish, God is removed. I want to go to God. And then I want to bring that level of godliness into the world. Torah and mitzvahs. Here in Tanya, the Alter Rebbe says, that's why... We daven Shema Yisrael Hashem Aleikeinu. Hashem Aleikeinu means that it's my God. It's not enough to believe in God. If you believe in God, you won't be emotionally connected to God. But when a Yid reaches a place where he considers Hashem my God, like Aleikei Avraham, and every Jew should feel that way, the more we identify with godliness, the more God is my God, the more I'm bound emotionally to God, then the more I'm going to bring that level of Kedusha into the world, the Alter Rebbe says it through, a, you're going to meet your desire by hugging and kissing God. The kiss to God is learning Torah, because the Torah are Hashem's words. Words are said with breath, and we with our breath repeat God's words of Torah. So there is a connection of breath to breath, that's a kiss. And then you have the concept of a hug, which is a talist feeling that you are enveloped in, you are enwrapped in godliness and limits. Now, how do you arouse a feeling of love? So we are in this portion of Tanya with Alter Rebbe, as we spoke out before, has a Gavaldik Echidosh. That normally people think that to feel love to God, you already have to be close to God. Because if God is very distant from you, if God is very distant from me, how will I have any feeling towards it? Normally love comes between two entities that are already close. So the Alter Rebbe says that there is a certain type of love that ironically, the farther we are from God, the more we're going to love God. Why? Why? So he began with the mashal that you have a king, 
a lofty king and you have a citizen that's all the way in the bottom of the, of the social rung ladder. The lower the citizen, the greater the king, the greater the gap, then if the king is going to leave the palace and go to that citizen and the king will take that citizen out of his mud, out of his shanty town hut and bring him into the palace and put on gar- royal garbs and give him a royal meal and invite him into his personal chambers, that person is going to feel a tremendous amount of love to the king. We call this the reciprocal love. We call this kamayim hapanim elpanim love. So if the further we are from God, the more we contemplate on the fact, which we do in the Shema, that God took me out of my Egypt, that I'm the, I'm the guy in the mud, and God chose me, and God brought me into his chamber, the more I'll think about that, kamayim hapanim elpanim, I'm going to love God even more. So Adarabha, the farther we are from God, the more love we're going to feel. Furthermore, that's where we left off. The Alter Rebbe added and he says, when you have a reciprocal love, when you love your beloved the way he loves you, so then the way he loves you will be the way you love him back. And how does Hashem express his love towards us? So we are in the middle of a very uh, deep, mystical explanation of how the world is created every moment. Then a kuda will be, the point will be is that Hashem to allow us to exist, must remove himself. Hashem has to tzimtzum himself for us to be. When you see someone that they put themselves aside for you, then you love them back the same way, then you are inspired to put yourself aside for God. God did a tremendous amount of nullifying himself for us, so to say. Hashem needed to tzimtzum himself. So this type of love will inspire me not only to keep the positive commandments, but it's going to inspire me to keep the negative commandments. What's a negative commandment? I want to do something. God says, I don't want you to do it. For me to fulfill that commandment, I have to tell myself, even though I want, but God doesn't want, I'm putting my desire aside for God. What inspires me to do that? What's the inspiration? The more I realize that God did the same thing for me. God put himself aside for me. So now we're going to open up the whole topic of Tzimtzum. And you should know that Chabad Hasidus has a few amazing points that have a lot of consequences when it comes to the idea of Tzimtzum. Tzimtzum is a concept that's brought down in Kabbalah. Kabbalah basically speaks about two things. It speaks about the Ein Soif and about the Seder Ishtalshos. speaks about the Ein Soif, infinity light of God. And then it speaks about the creation, beginning with the higher worlds all the way down to the lowest world. Many people who learn Kabbalah can make a huge mistake, which is a huge mistake. And they can think that Ein Soif is referring, is a reference to God. Right? So we have Shem Hashem, Shem Elikim, there's different names we have in the Torah in reference to God. And Kabbalah refers to God as the Ein Soif, as the infinite light. And that's a big mistake. Why is that wrong? Because the, the essence of God has no definition. And the way the Alter Rebbe explains in another place, if one would be referring to the essence of God, one would not say Ein Soif, one would say Ein Tchila. Ein Soif means the light with no end. When you say that the light has no end, it implies it has a beginning. It just doesn't have an end. And true, Oir, the light of God, has a beginning. What's the beginning of God's light? God. Chassidus Chabad refers to God as Atmos, 
the truth is you can't give a name because God cannot be defined by any name. And the way that Rambam brilliantly calls God, that God is a non-existence existence. And wrap your brain around that. You can't even call God an existence. But you can't say God is a non-existence because you can have the wrong understanding of that. God is a non-existence existence. Chabad Hasidus, we call the, the essence of God Atmos, the essence. The Ein Soif is something that comes out of the essence. So there's the godliness that is infinite is called the Ein Soif. It's not God. Ain't so for sure. Ain't so is the highest level of godliness. It's the highest level of elikus. But God, God has no names. God has no definition, and God has no beginning. The ain't so has a beginning because the ain't so is coming from God. That's the beginning. This is very important. Why is this very important? Because the whole Kabbalah explains that there is this infinite light, and infinite light can never give a, can never create a finite world. So there needed to be a tzimtzum. And not stam at tzimtzum at tzimtzum atzum. There needed to be such an act of contraction, right, in the words of, of the Arizal, that there was ki'ilu, a black hole, in this sea of infinite light. And then there was a kav, a little line of light, right, that comes out of the ein soif, that goes into this tzimtzum reality, and from this little kav, you begin the whole seder ishtalshus. So you have godliness that's infinite, and then you have godliness that shows to limit itself. Neither of them is the essence of God. And therefore, this is one, one important point, that Simpsum never happened to Atmos. Atmos is never mitzamtzum itself. The need of Simpsum is just the need to explain how from something infinite can come a finite world. A finite world cannot come from Eirein Seif. What happened? There was a quantum break. There was a tzimtzum, a complete tzimtzum. Now, tzimtzum, another topic in tzimtzum, which is not for now, that tzimtzum is like kipshutai, but that's not relevant for this. So the, the infinite light completely got concealed, complete concealment. And now, because there is a complete concealment, whatever comes afterwards is so separated from the infinite light that comes before it that we call the reality that we know, yesh, Mayayin. What does yesh mayayin mean? Not something from nothing. That's a very superficial interpretation because there isn't anything that comes from nothing. No such a thing. The world comes from God. Are you calling God nothing? Something from where? Oh, yesh mayayin means that since the oid ein soif underwent a complete symptom, so when later comes a world, the world doesn't allow you to figure out where it came from. When you look at the world, you think it came from nowhere. The world was created by God's design in a way that you can deny God. The world appears to be completely self-sufficient. You don't have any pipes coming out of the iron safe into the world that you can see. Aha, I'm getting my energy from that. In the world itself, you can take a look at the world and you can say everything, everything functions on its own. Why is it that way? Because God made it a yesh. Yesh means an existence, not, not God's existence. What we call existence. This existence, where did it come from? There is a point up the chain where there is no existence before. This type of existence has a beginning. And before the beginning, it did not exist. Now, where did it come from? It came from the Oyer and Saif. Why don't we see a trace of the Oyer and Saif in reality? Because God 
has an infinite power of concealment. So when you hide yourself from your kids, you can succeed partially. God does everything perfect. When God concealed himself, God perfectly concealed himself. Which is why throughout history you had people that could be called wise, even though they're foolish, and they say there's no God. Because God made the world in a way where knowing him is a choice you'll have to make. It won't be an obvious given until the coming of Mashiach, until a certain point in the future. So that's the meaning of yesh mi'ayin. And coming back, atzmus, the essence of God, which is something so beyond us, is not contradicted by a finite world. You see, the ein soif and infinite and finite are contradictions. So if you want something finite, you cannot have any expression of infinity because it's a stira. So the ein soif needed to be fartzimtzumt in order for you to have a world. But atzmus there's, Atmos is here the way Atmos was here before. There is absolutely no change as far as Atmos is concerned between before the creation and after the creation. There wasn't even a symptom for Atmos. Now that's very important. There are so many consequences from that, but coming back to the time. Now the ain't Soif needed to undergo a full symptom. Think about it. When God gave us the negative commandments, God never demanded of us a full symptom. A full symptom for me, the best way of wording it will be for me to die. Completely deny my existence. God doesn't want that for me. God wants us to live. There are many restrictions. Yes, there are many restrictions. But what will inspire me? Think about a marriage. When a spouse wants something, but they don't do what they want because they know that their partner won't like it. When you witness that, what does that inspire within you? A reciprocal feeling. When you see the one who we are with, that they are denying themselves. Why? For you. So you feel, wow, I I'm going to deny something of me in return. So the more Ayid is going to contemplate about this concept of tzimtzum and realize that God didn't do tzimtzum one time. That's the whole heart of the Baal Shem Tev. God is creating the world every moment. It means right now, by nature, the infinity of God should be revealed. God is making an effort, not stomach, an infinite effort. Only God has the koyach to completely conceal himself. Why is he doing that? Because if God would not do tzimtzum on the Ein Soif, I would not exist, you would not exist. So the more we understand this concept and that we learn about it, sooner or later it's going to trickle down to one's heart. We're going to feel, wow, look at what God does for me now. Not when he created the world 57 whatever the time was, uh, yeah, 57, uh, 79, thank you. Every moment, God is making another tzimtzum, complete tzimtzum on himself, for me to be able to exist. So when we think about that, kamayim ha'panim ha'panim, we are going to love God in the same way. And this love of God will inspire my observance, not only in keeping the positives, but dafka keeping the negatives. And when a person has some of that feeling, and then they learn Torah, if you have some of that love, and then you do a mitzvah, that's a whole different Torah mitzvah. That's a Torah mitzvah that brings that which comes before the tzimtzum, it brings the oir ein soif back into the world. Because what is your inspiration? Your inspiration is not from the world. Your inspiration is from you connecting to that which came before the world. You are connected to the ayin. And you are hoping that the ayin is really working upon himself to remain an ayin. So since the inspiration is coming from the oid ein soif, 
That's why such a trait and such a mitzvah will begin to reveal the Ein Saif into the world. And there is a tipping point, as Hasidus explains, that there'll be a time in the imminent future where God's tzimtzum won't hide him anymore. And that is dafka through the avoid of the Jewish people, that when Yidin learn Torah and we keep mitzvahs based on our acknowledgement and reaction towards the emes of the Oyren Soif, that in itself is a gilui of the Oyren Soif, if you think about it. So my Torah and my mitzvahs potentially should be infused not only with the godliness of creation, with the godliness that could not have been here during the creation. And when there is enough of Oyren Soif back into the world, it doesn't take away the world's existence, but it takes away the concealment of God. And God will not be concealed. And at that point, everything will change. There is a point when godliness is, is clear, evident, and ultimately the way Hasidus says, the oil and soif will not be evident, the atmos will be evident, because the atmos really never, never underwent its symptom. Once vero kol basar yachtav, and we're going to see the essence of God, we're going to see it, we're going to experience it, then, uh, then the choice of keeping the mitzvahs will always be there. We always have freedom of choice, but it's going to be a much easier choice to make. And people are going to be doing exactly what God wants.